Well, good morning, everyone. It's awesome to be with you this morning as we open up the Word of God. If you have your Bible, would you meet me in Ephesians chapter 5? We'll be in the book of Ephesians today, chapter 5. Today is our final week in our life-changing series on the Holy Spirit, and it has been just such an impactful series. Um, I know in my own personal life, I ha I've, having this greater fellowship of the Holy Spirit, just by way of review, this series we've looked at the reality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a force or an influence. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is really the driving force behind the transformation of our lives. As Christians, when we believed in Jesus, it was the Holy Spirit who came into our life. Jesus said we were born of the Spirit. We began a new spiritual life. Then we continue to grow in our relationship with God. We're molded as we produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You've heard of those, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. God begins to change our life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, uh, we are all drawn into ministry, into impacting the lives of others because it's the Holy Spirit who has given us spiritual gifts. And as Steve shared, also emboldens us to live for Jesus Christ each and every day. So, you know, if there's one thing I hope we can all take from this series, it's just that we can't do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Can't do it without his power. We can't do it without his presence. We need the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about living our Christian life in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Paul will say in the book of Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we want to look at what that means this morning as we talk about being filled with the Spirit. But let me open by way of illustration. Uh, I spent many years of my life in Colorado. And when we think about Colorado, most of us think of the incredible mountains. And there's the Rocky Mountains, of course. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that the mountains are just in the western half of the state. So if Colorado is like a TV screen, you have the mountains on the west, uh, but you probably haven't seen eastern Colorado because there's really not much to see there. Here's a picture. That's eastern Colorado right there. And when you imagine, you know, going to Colorado, that's probably not what you think about, but if you ever have flown into DIA, Denver International Airport, you'll see the empty fields. Uh, they call these the Great Plains, and there's really nothing there but some open fields and tumbleweeds. But uh, years ago, Angie's grandparents lived in the town of Big Springs, Nebraska. Big Springs is a farm town of about 500 people. And if you ever go there, there's absolutely nothing to do. But, you know, <laughs> visit your grandparents at their farm. Uh, sometimes we go outside and we shoot trash, so that's exciting. Um, but... Uh, in order to get to Big Springs, Nebraska, you have to drive through these eastern plains. And one time, Angie and I were driving in our car to the farm in Nebraska, and wouldn't you know it, our car engine started smoking. And we pulled over, you know, I put on the hazard, stepped outside, looked, and there was radiator fluid everywhere. So I knew, like, we're not going anywhere. 
Unfortunately, as I looked around, that's what I saw. We were in the middle of nowhere, and there was nowhere to go. There was no one to talk to. You pull out your cell phone. You have no service. It's like, what in the world? Where are we supposed to go? So we're kind of standing there. I'm looking at the engine, and that's pretty much the level of my ability is just to look. <laughs> You're like, huh, this isn't good. Suddenly, I look up, and here comes a big rig 18-wheeler semi pulling over behind my car. I was so excited. I was like, yes, here comes help. And there's a guy that gets out of the semi truck. He comes over. He's like, hey, looks like you're having some problems there. I was like, yeah. He said, where are you headed? We said, Big Springs, Nebraska. He goes, you want a ride? I thought, absolutely, I'd love a ride. That sounds awesome. But then I remembered my mom told me never to get in the car with a stranger. So I was like debating and I thought, you know what? I got to figure out if this guy's safe. So I did what any of us would do. And I just took a big whiff of the guy. And you know what? He didn't smell. So I thought this guy's safe. That passed the smell test. And you know, thank God we got into this guy's big rig truck because it was awesome inside. I can't believe how much space was in there. He had snacks. He had a mini fridge. He had a TV screen. He had a wall of DVDs. He had a bed, like, right? I mean, he had all the cool stuff. And he drove us to Big Springs. And it was just an amazing, like, it's got to be one of the best experiences of my life. You know, second only to getting married, if my wife is listening to this later. But it was a really cool thing. And I've just found so often as a pastor that I meet people who are kind of like where Angie and I were. We were stuck, and many Christians today can be stuck on the side of the road, feeling anxious, defeated in this, and discouraged, not going anywhere with God. In fact, uh, there's a Swiss theologian named, uh, excuse me, uh, thinking about this semi, uh, Swiss theologian Karl Barth actually called this flat tire Christianity. And oftentimes we get stalled out in our Christian life when we're trying to do it in our own strength. But I want to encourage you today that God sent help, and it's an 18-wheeler called the Holy Spirit. And he is going to empower us to live the Christian life. Say goodbye to that flat tire Christianity. But what does it exactly mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to find out. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 50, 15 through 20, our scripture reading for today, from Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment just to pause and to open our time in a word of prayer. Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We give praise to you, God, for all that you've done. 
It's been awesome already to sing songs about the cross and to remember God's amazing grace and how though we were in sin, you are changing our life. We are forgiven, we are cleansed, and we've been given a new life in Jesus Christ. I pray today, God, that you would help me as we speak, that you would help us to understand what it means to be full of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, so let's talk about this. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Start here, point number one. Every believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells each and every one of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ. This is pretty awesome. In fact, Paul is here. He, he's writing to a group of believers in the ancient city of Ephesus. And these are people who believed in Jesus. And now Paul gives this instruction in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But don't get confused by Paul's language here. You know, sometimes you'll find among certain groups of believers today where they will talk about the Christian life consisting of two experiences. And the first experience is what you might consider your conversion experience. It's the moment that you become a Christian. But then some people will say, at some point later on, you have a second experience with God where the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Now, I truly believe in greater experiences of the Spirit. I've had moments in my life where I've been overwhelmed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and those are real. But let me encourage you today, believer in Jesus, rest assured, the Holy Spirit of God already lives inside of you. You don't need a second experience for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. The Holy Spirit came into your life the moment you believed in Jesus Christ. Now, if there's any question of that, by the time we get to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul has already laid this foundation, and he could hardly be any clearer that the Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. We're going to go back. We're going we're to work our way to Ephesians 5. Flip the page, if you got your Bible open or your Bible app, to Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 13, Paul's already laying this, this foundational truth that we have the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says, Ephesians 1, 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So here Paul takes us back very moment where these believers became Christians, right? How were they saved? How were they included in Christ? Paul answers that in verse 13. They heard the gospel, the message of truth, and they believed in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's a promise. And if you're here today and you want to know that your sin is forgiven, you want to have an eternal life with God and the hope of heaven when you die, that can happen right now. It can happen in a moment. 
When you believe in Jesus Christ, turning from your sins, we're not saved by our good, good works, but by embracing Christ through faith. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Happens in a moment. And the central, awesome reality of this universe is the saving work of Jesus Christ. But did you notice what else happened the moment we were saved, the moment we believed in Jesus, verse 13? When you believed... Come on, church. When does this happen? What does he say? Oh, man. When did it happen? When you believed. Thank you. What happened? You were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The moment you believe in Jesus, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And listen to the language who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. For many years, I was a youth pastor, and we would take our students to camp. We did winter camp, summer camp, and as I was planning for that camp, I would call the camp and make a reservation. Upon making the reservation, they always required one thing. Yeah, you've, some of you have reserved something before. You, they require a deposit. They want some money up front that will guarantee that all the rest will come in. Maybe if you bought, made a big purchase like a car or a house, you made a deposit. When I made those deposits as a youth pastor, they always kind of reminded me, hey, by the way, if at some point later on you change your mind, bad news, you can't take it back. You don't get your money back because the deposit is the guarantee that I'm going to follow through with everything. It's like when a man proposes to a woman and gets, gets her an engagement ring. What's an, what's an engagement ring? What does it mean? It's a deposit. It's saying, we're not married yet, but we're going to be. That's on its way. See, we have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And that gift was, came into our life the moment we believed in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, Paul says, is the guarantee of everything God wants to give you for all of eternity. We have a guarantee in the deposit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us as believers in Jesus. In fact, Paul will actually compare us as believers to the Old Testament temple. Oh, look at Ephesians 2. You guys remember the temple? In the Old Testament, they built this temple, and what happens? God comes, and what's the language? He fills the temple with the glory of his presence. And Paul says, we, as believers, are that temple, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in Christ, this is Ephesians, we're working our way. Now, chapter 2, in Christ, the whole building, that's us, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives 
by his spirit. As a believer in Jesus, God dwells in you through the gift of his Holy Spirit. The moment you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit came into your life. And you got all the Holy Spirit. Let there not be a confusion about that. So in Ephesians 5, we start with this. That every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer is indwelt with the Spirit. But every believer is not at all times filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the next point. Point number two. God invites us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is interesting. We've already seen Paul's told the Ephesians, you have the Holy Spirit, you've received the Spirit. And now he's going to tell those same believers, be filled with the Spirit. Very interesting. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's break it down. Ephesians 5.18. Paul says, don't get drunk on, drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, basically immoral living. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So in, un, in order for us to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit, Paul gives us a counter illustration. Probably not one that you and I would have picked. But he compares being filled with the Holy Spirit to, to what, church? What is it? Being drunk with wine. So why would he do that? Paul's actually spent the last, I would say, chapter or so comparing and contrasting our old life in sin with our new life in Christ. So, how about drunkenness? Is that old life stuff or new life stuff? Which one is that? Old life, right? A Christian can drink alcohol, but drunkenness is a sin. Causing others to get drunk, that's a sin. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to do those kinds of Foolish things, Paul says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. But have you, ever, have you ever been to a party where people were drinking? I actually got saved at 17, so I kind of missed the party scene. But I did get invited to one party. Just one. And I knew there was going to be alcohol. So I brought along a Christian friend. And we actually didn't drink. We didn't want to drink because uh, I really, like... I had never seen people drunk before like that. And people were not acting how they normally act. Um, there was a, I mean, I'll never forget this woman in the corner who was like facing the corner, dancing and singing to a lampshade. You know, that's not, that's not normal. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to drink today. In the same way, so, no, let me summarize. So what happens when we drink too much alcohol? To make the point. We come under the influence of alcohol. We're controlled by the alcohol. We do things we wouldn't normally do. In the same way, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to immorality, but instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means be thoroughly permeated, be controlled, be totally influenced, come under the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not be the same. You will not act like normal people act. You will find yourself unexpectedly joyful. 
unexpectedly courageous. You might be going through something dif difficult, but yet you're unexpectedly victorious. And people go, how can you do that? And you'll say, no, it's not me. It's actually the Holy Spirit in me. I'm under the influence of the Spirit. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit is being dramatically displayed in my life. Paul invites us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just to have the Spirit, but to truly be under the influence and presence and power of the Spirit in our life. Several points need to be noted about being filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, notice the direct contrast between the life of sin and the Spirit-filled life. We cannot continue in a life of sin and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That would be a spiritual impossibility. Paul actually says in Ephesians 4.30, also Ephesians here, we're sticking in Ephesians. Paul says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. And what is he talking about there? Grieving the Holy Spirit. He's just referring to living in unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin grieves the Spirit of God and it blocks us from the Spirit-filled life. Well, what's the solution? Confess it, repent, right? Turn. Right? We've been forgiven of all of our sin. But we don't want sin to grieve the Spirit and to block the Spirit-filled life. Number two, it's a command. This is interesting. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not an option. It's actually in the imperative. It's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news. If God commands something, is He going to give us the power to live out that command? Absolutely. Because God commands us to be filled with the Spirit, living a Spirit-filled life is possible. It's possible for you. It's possible for me. Otherwise, He wouldn't have commanded it. Number three... God wants us to be filled often. Uh, a lot of commentators and scholars have observed that in the original language, the word be filled is actually in the present continuous tense. It, it could literally read be continuously filled, be filled and be continuously filled, be filled again and again and again. That's pretty awesome. I, I've shared in this series that I believe in one baptism and many fillings. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, my personal belief, happens once in the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit comes into our life the moment we believe in Jesus, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. By faith, we are all baptized in the Spirit into one body. So there's one baptism, but there's many fillings. Be filled. Be filled again and continuously filled. God is inviting us to live a spirit-filled life. One baptism, many fillings. We see this in the book of Acts, Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So they're all filled with the Spirit. Just notice that. Then two chapters later... Filled with the Spirit again. Acts 4.8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought he was already filled. No, again, filled with the Spirit. Said to them, rulers and elders of the people. They got that boldness we talked about last week. And just like we heard in our passage last week at the end of the chapter, 
They're filled with the Holy Spirit again a third time, Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God invites you today, just like this, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will strengthen you and empower you to do things you could not do on your own. It's one baptism, many fillings. So my question today, as we come to the third point, is simply this. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? As you look at your own heart this morning, is your heart filled to the fullness of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Would you like it to be? Said, for many years I was a youth pastor, 10 years. One night after a youth event, we all went to hang out at a restaurant late night. Uh, ended up at some sort of a breakfast restaurant, like a village inn. Do you guys have any village inns here? IHOP, something like that. Denny's. Now we're preaching. It was a cold night. We all showed up at the restaurant, went in, sat down. The waitress comes up, and she said something that had all of our heads exploding. She said, on the menu tonight, we have bottomless hot chocolate. Praise Jesus. Have any of you ever experienced bottomless hot chocolate? It's an amazing experience, I gotta tell you. You empty the cup, and they just come and fill it again. It's an endless supply. There were some students that had at least 10 cups of hot chocolate. I'm not kidding. In fact, we didn't even order any food. We just got full on the hot chocolate, right? A little extra whipped cream, please. As a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Jesus tells us how in John chapter 7. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit. Jesus says here that the Holy Spirit is like a river of living water. A river is constant. A river never runs dry. There is no end to its flow. He's speaking here about a bottomless river. Jesus actually says God gives the Spirit without limit. He gives the Holy Spirit without measure. John chapter 3, verse 34. See, we become filled with the Holy Spirit the same way someone gets drunk on alcohol or you get full of hot chocolate, we get filled by continuously drinking. So what are you waiting for? Are you thirsty? Jesus said, come. Come to me and drink. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Come, 
Holy Spirit. More, Lord, more of your Spirit filling our hearts. Drink deeply from the river of life. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus encourages us even to simply ask. Just ask. Luke eleven thirteen. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, when your phone's running out of batteries, what do you need to do? Plug it into the power source. Simply come to the Lord and ask. Drink from the river of living water. And here's the amazing thing as the Holy Spirit begins to fill your life. You begin to see the evidence What's the evidence? Paul continues, Ephesians 5. I love this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Here's the result. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. There's a joy. We're singing. We're praising. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit-filled life actually overflows in joyful praise to Jesus. And and as Paul describes this Spirit-filled worship, you might notice he mentions two audiences. And the first audience, I got to tell you, surprised me. Because I remember, I've preached this before, audience of one, you know, worship, it's audience of one. It's, It's you and God, baby. But he actually mentions a surprising audience. And that's one another. Our worship, when we gather corporately, has a horizontal dimension. Did you catch that? He says, sing to one another. With psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As we gather here at Hope Community Church and we sing, begin singing songs, we're actually encouraging one another in our praise of Jesus Christ. We're becoming more and more filled up with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love it. But spirit-filled worship doesn't just have a horizontal audience. I think even more important is our vertical audience. Paul says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Where does our worship come from again? From our heart. Christianity is a matter of the heart. We're not just going through the motions. It's from our heart the Lord. It's our vertical worship. A song rises from our heart to our Lord Jesus, and it's not just at church, is it? But it's every single day of the week. He says we're always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Praising Jesus in our home life. Praising Jesus in our life. Praising Jesus in our relationships. It's all an offering of praise and thanksgiving to Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we just see in this passage that God is so good. And when our life is filled up to the Holy Spirit, the result is unceasing praise to Jesus. Billy Graham said it this way. I love this. One of the tests of the Spirit-filled life Is Christ becoming more and more evident in my life? Are people seeing more of him? And 
lessening. A spirit-filled life overflows in praise for Jesus. So I just ask you today, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you declaring his praises, living with that joyful overflow? How do you know? Because your life overflows in praise to Jesus.